My fellow deep thinkers, welcome to Deep Remaining Time. Today is episode 13, and today we're going to be uh, discussing some more um, interesting topics of ufology um, that will hopefully shed some more light on uh, the subject for those of you that maybe aren't familiar with it. And uh, today, you know, today we can watch videos online of things um, that look like UFOs, and we don't know if we're actually seeing UFOs or not. But looking to past accounts of UFO sightings that are well documented with classified documents released to the public through um, like means of in Freedom of Information Act, like uh, you know, going through the government and getting this information, and, and that is really the best place for um, uh, the public, the general public, to get a good picture of what our country and what humanity has witnessed in the past because this stuff is it's well documented uh, and I, I mean we were talking about the government you know, of course they're going to document everything you know they want you to document everything about your own life so you know uh, um, and we've seen and we've documented things that that happened like decades and decades ago but today we don't get detailed evidence of what you know happened yesterday we don't we'll never see um, documents or uh, information regarding things that have happened yes you know yesterday or today or last week or a couple months ago we won't see that stuff for maybe decades or longer but you know the 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 thing is guys that the release to, to force the release of, of information that's that's currently going on we would probably need a, a large group of, of individuals who are dedicated um, not only to ufology but to um, to, to knowing the, the the truth of what's going on you know uh, with with even things like the the government budget you know with the government shutdown going on right now you know it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird to understand or to, to hear you know them say that oh this government shutdown costs six billion dollars a week but I'm like if the government's shut down why is it costing anybody money you know like that doesn't make any sense we really need to pay all those people to run the government I mean yeah granted like there's some very important positions um, like air traffic controllers and people that work in airports there's a lot of government jobs that people should be paid for you know that that they're very important but things that are going on in dc and congress you know if they're not who cares if they're not getting paid you know that that's money the government is saving i thought that was kind of the point like oh we're at a stalemate and a decision so we're going to shut down because we're out of money so what do we do you know we stop paying ourselves it's the first thing you got to do but i don't know it, it's kind of weird so you know maybe they're uh you know, maybe their numbers are flawed. Maybe there's something going on, but we'll never know uh, because we'll never get current information. We'll never get you know the full information. They're always holding back something. I mean, do you guys really think the government is that truthful, like that honest with you? No, there's no way. There's no way. And so you know, maybe having uh, a group of individuals that can help to push the societal boundaries that our government has set you know to maybe just force the government to release you know by, by just forcing them to do it but i mean we're talking a massive coalition of people uh, of american citizens that are you know 
that, that, that really need, that want this. I mean, it has to be a lot. I mean, millions of people have to get behind this and millions of people would have to, you know, march to DC, something like that. You know, I don't know. But, uh, and maybe, maybe, um, maybe deeper meaning time is just the place, you know, to, to bring people in, to, to share deeper meanings, um, that will drive us forward and push us forward to who knows all sorts of new limits and new possibilities. And guys, of course, that is the goal with deeper meaning time is to explore the endless possibilities and curiosities we have every day, you know, and, uh, guys, I'm, I'm a, I wanted to, I want to apologize real quick. You know, I've been, uh, haven't been feeling well in the past, uh, couple weeks. I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm having weird digestive issues. I don't know. Stomach bug. I'm not sure what it was, but, uh, you know, I apologize for not getting an episode out the past, uh, past couple weeks. My phone, uh, the screen, of course, I'm a super klutz. And uh, I dropped my phone uh, when I was in Alaska uh, this past summer. And I, I mean, I literally, I threw it down on a rock pretty much right onto the tip of a rock. And it just punctured through the screen and completely messed it up. And uh, so I've had a screen problems for a while since that happened, you know, back in like June. But uh, just the other day, I think it was Sunday, last Sunday, my f which is the day I record, you know, of course, my phone screen quits working. I mean, just, oh no, I take that back. It stopped working on, on Friday while I was at work. That's right, because I couldn't, I, I, I had me all messed up. I mean, all messed up. And so, you know, over the weekend I'm scrambling. I've got old phones that their screens are messed up, but some of them work. And so I was trying to get them going and like, Turned out their screens were just as messed up and wouldn't work either. So like I, I was just full of problems. Like so, there's no way I was gonna even manage to record an episode. So, anyway, just want to apologize, but I'm back in the game here, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be. Uh, my goal is is to get these out every Monday. Um, I record on Sunday, and so the goal is you get them out on Monday. Um, so I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm gonna continue with that. And uh, and guys, I'm excited to announce um, I will here. Um, gosh, I, you know I haven't quite set a date on it yet, but I will be having uh, my first guest, my first co-host. Um, his name's Keith. He's an old friend, and uh, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be great for this show. Great for a first episode to have a guest with. And um, I don't know. I think it's gonna work out pretty well. But. Uh, Guys, uh, as always, you know, I want I want you guys to make sure that you uh, check out uh, my website. You go to deepermeaningtime.com. Um, there you can like, share, you can comment on every individual episode. Um, there aren't a lot of ways that podcasters can actually get feedback um, unless you're uh, into Reddit, which I have been uh, getting into Reddit, and I've started using Reddit a lot more, um, where I'll post a, a weekly episode uh, post on um uh, our podcasts and uh but i'm also uh, i frequent other uh, podcasting uh subreddits on reddit so it's a place where you can find me you can always um, direct message me on reddit even um <clears throat> i've actually come in contact with uh, some different people just because of reddit um that have uh, been interested in the show and that that's really cool to to have that and so uh, if you guys are redditors at all um you can always uh find deeper meaning time um on reddit and uh, at deeper meaning time is what it is 
you can shoot me a direct a direct line you can um but but i i definitely encourage you guys if you're um, looking to make a comment or um, leave some feedback for a future episode or uh, to make a comment about uh, something that i can add in um, in regards to a past episode uh, go ahead and email me at deeper meaning time at gmail.com uh, it's the best place i definitely love uh i'd love voice messages if anybody wants to send a voice message go ahead please do um but uh i'm looking to grow this channel more and uh, that's the goal for this year is uh this this show uh, to grow it and to uh, get more people involved uh that's really the whole thing here is, is is creating a group of people in a place where you can come and you can explore deeper meanings things that uh that intrigue you, fascinate you, that things you don't understand, that you wish to understand. And, and that is everybody's goal here um, on Deeper Meaning Time is to understand more. And um, just to give you guys a little sneak peek, uh, I think mainly um, some, some of the things we'll be talking about um, when I have uh, Keith on the next, ep uh, the next episode here will be uh, about the pyramids, pyramids of Egypt, uh, pyramids of Giza in particular and um, we'll talk about other pyramids pyramids of peru uh, there's pyramids in central america and uh, pyramids across the entire world pyramids found in antarctica and uh, we'll talk about the relevance of them and uh, possibly you know explore some ideas on how they're built uh, things like that that are just fascinating um, we're definitely into a lot of the sort of the ancient alien type of uh, ideas about um, our history and how things uh, happened and so uh, we'll get we'll get deep into some uh, information into some topics there that i hope you guys really enjoy so stay tuned look forward to that but uh we'll start today here um i, I want to share uh th these are going to be sort of some incidents that um, you can look up and i found um i found these from the serious disclosure youtube page which i have brought up before on here it's uh, ran by dr stephen greer and um, he does a good job of interviewing a lot of people, a lot of very interesting people that uh, I haven't come to really uh, decide whose, whose stories are, are really good and whose aren't. But uh, I have listened to a lot of them, and there are a lot of them. There are several hours worth of interviews of witness testimonies from UFO um, encounters, incidents, and most of them are government officials or um sort of high 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 paid employees um things of that nature and so they're they're definitely people that and they have a wealth of information about the events and the uh, things that occurred and they can give you all kinds of names and dates and places and it's a they're incredible uh, uh incidents and, and witness and encounters with uh, craft in the sky or or uh, other things happening um and, and uh, here i'll just go ahead and get into them. like uh, for in particular um one is uh, the edwards air force base incident and uh, maybe some of you have heard about it if you haven't um this is a, a really fascinating incident um and, and something that i will kind of touch base on more because of uh, just the reason that uh, these craft are, are hanging around where they're hanging around and, and then this uh, in this event uh, they are, are hanging around Edwards Air Force Base. And so a man um, who, uh, named uh, Chuck Sorrells, he was an Air Force tech sergeant, and he was stationed at Edwards um, Air Force Base back in 1965. And he was working as an aircraft controller. And uh, on uh, and it was on, this was uh, happened on October 7th. So about 54 years ago, Chuck, um, along with um, 
A bunch of others working uh, at the air for, air, airfield that night witnessed more than one UFO flying over the base, and at least seven were reported to have been seen that night. And the lights of these craft were similar as in color to, uh, to lights found on uh, our own aircraft. But however that these lights, they said the, the lights on these craft pulsated so fast um, you know, to the point where, I mean, they're so fast, there's no way they're aircraft lights. I mean, you've seen aircraft lights, they're strobes, you know, I, they're, they're technically, um, you know, one of the light fixtures on an aircraft is called the strobe. I mean, they don't pulsate, they strobe. So, you know, there's, there's a, a unique difference there. And, um, these, uh, the Air Force Base that night, they had four different, uh, radar sites that were tracking and, uh, watching these, these UFOs. And uh, Chuck said he witnessed three of the craft moving together, um, kind of in a formation, um, across the sky. And uh, he, he watched another three uh, come into sight, which were moving really fast. And uh, he said they were maneuvering in ways that uh, didn't look like a, a jet or any type of uh, aircraft that uh, we, we had. Um, you know, they were maneuvering in ways that, that, that just was nothing um, of this world. And uh, so the sighting, you know, he said, last f um, into the night for hours. And uh, as it was getting towards daybreak, um, NORAD uh, scrambled some fighters to go check them out. And uh, Chuck, you know, like I said, he was an aircraft controller that night, or um, that's what he was at, his position there at Edwards. He, uh, so Chuck lined up a, a fighter um, with one of these UFOs and uh, had him climb to 40,000 feet so that he could be in range. And so once the fighter pilot made radar contact, um, he approached the UFOs and they made a sudden climb straight up. And, uh, and this was a, a really fast uh, acceleration and at a rate of speed that, that really their own craft just were not capable of. And, uh, and so they, they disappeared out of, out of, out of sight. And uh, so he, the uh, fighter pilot, you know, he made, a, he made a turnaround and he climbed higher and he again, you know, he got con radar contact, but the same thing happened. Uh, the UFOs would make a, a sudden just climb, just straight up. Um, and uh, I guess the fighter pilot did this uh, a few times until th they completely lost contact. And, uh, and Chuck said that as the sun was rising uh, into the early morning, they all disappeared, climbing higher and higher till they disappeared just as the stars do when the sun is out. And, uh, and so that was uh, about all of, of uh, Chuck's uh, witness testimony, but uh, it's interesting, you know, needless to say. I think, uh, I think he's, he could have seen something, you know, why not? Uh, why, why would anybody just go ahead and just, you know, begin to dismiss it? You know, it, it's an interesting um, witness testimony. And, and guys, I, you know, I encourage you to go check it out for yourself, you know, and then, you know, th think about whatever it is that you think, you know, could have happened or whether or not it did happen you know, come to your own conclusion but um so the astronaut as we all know him edgar mitchell um he's been on countless types of interviews and, and he's been on uh, tv before he's done all kinds of things so he's really popular and uh, he was uh, one who flew to the moon he was the sixth man on the moon um, and he uh, he f flew to the moon during the apollo mission program and, and Ed, Edgar, he's been asked um, if he's seen UFOs 
I think on multiple occasions, you know, in different interviews, he always kind of gives like a uh, kind of weary answer that doesn't uh, really explain anything or say yes or no. Um, but in this, uh, in one of these interviews for Stephen Greer's, you know, Sears Disclosure YouTube channel, Edgar's asked, you know, have you seen UFOs? And, uh, and Edgar explains that fighter pilots have had many encounters with them and that there have been military positions dedicated to reporting and investigating UFO events. And uh, Edgar explains that the people and that the, uh, the government has put fear into people's hearts about this subject uh, so that people won't come forward with any information on sightings or anything that's UFO related just in fear of public ridicule. And, uh, and Edgar believes that if there is info like on this, on the UF, on ufology, that you know, whether it's about other life or the ability to travel the cosmos, um, that this should be shared publicly, you know, for everybody, uh, anything that we haven't yet developed, you know, any, any type of, of information that, that would help and benefit people should be shared. You know, why, why wouldn't you share um, information like that and uh, and so he explains that over the last 50 years there have been the tens of thousands of sightings uh, and he says most of them are misidentified uh, as just being natural sort of things that happen uh, but still a lot of the events are indeed extraterrestrial and our governments know that this is a real matter and they know that it's an important thing um, but, but it seems as though that the importance of it is made public to those that are deemed important, but not to the masses, not to us, the, the 99 percenters, the people that, uh, that really could use this information that would really benefit, you know, the masses. And, uh, and Edgar says we have to rely on those that have witnessed events and uh, we have to rely on those that have had uh, a first-hand encounter and an experience with you know the subject and we that and that we can't dismiss these people and uh, and if that's people like Bob Lazar and if that's people like uh, Chuck Sorrells or Larry Warren who I'm going to speak about here um, in a few or uh, people like Stephen Greer um, anybody that's had any type of uh, UFO experience or uh, an alien experience, uh, you know, a, a strange acid trip or a strange uh, shroom trip, you know, anything, because anything to, to, at least here on Deeper Meaning Time, anything has a deeper meaning and anything is important. Um, but, you know, you, you can't dismiss us people uh, either. You know, we need to, to know this information. It needs to be shared. Uh, and so if these people, you know, if you're if you're out there and you know, if you're listening and something weird and crazy has happened to you, please, you know, email me, deepermeaningtime at gmail.com. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, not the, not the people that have experienced something like within the government um, or, or some seriously big information. Not that they would tell me first anyways, but... You know, the, the, but the, the thing is, is that those people are the important ones to, to talk to and to, to get information from so that the, the truth can be spread, not, not false, you know, 
truths, not, not just straight lies, true information. You know, we need to, we need to get it out to everybody. Um, but, but at, like Edgar, like Edgar said, though, we, we also, we, you know, we cannot dismiss the people that have had firsthand experience and people that have witnessed these things. Um, you know, these people are important. And so Edgar says, um, that he's known a lot of these people as being some former intelligence staff, uh, military government employees and, uh, government subcontractors, just like Bob Lazar, by the way. And, uh, that, that the f jobs of these people was, uh, just to investigate all aspects of the subject. Um, and with them all having high security clearances because the subject information was never going to be brought to the public. Um, and Edgar believed that our military had back-engineered ET craft in the past and that they were uh, duplicating you know, the parts to recreate these craft and uh, that our own government was responsible for the majority of the sightings uh, that people reported and, and even the abduction stories and that ET he says are probably a very small portion of the sightings and, uh, and that the ETs are, are just watching from afar. Um, and, uh, that the only reason for our involvement is that, is that of power and money and control. And, uh, Edgar, he, he believes that a large craft, and I believe this too, you know, if, if we were to see a large craft that would appear to be hundreds of yards, you know, several, a couple football fields long, that that would not be from this world. Uh, that manufacturing something that large is not possible for us. It's not possible for anybody. Um, and it wouldn't be possible to build it and not have questions, you know, whoa, what's that you're building there? That thing's pretty big. That, that thing there is pretty big, you know, what's that gonna be? People, you, you see someone building something, you know, downtown, you're like, well, what's that gonna be? Oh, what, well, you know, you see something off on the corner side, you know, because some sides, what's that gonna be, you know? There'd be questions. So there wouldn't be any manufacturing of a large craft here. So when the day comes and if some large craft's in the sky, you know, that's definitely not the government. Um, and, but but Edgar believes that it, it is time to bring this to the public because the government doesn't even know what to do with this information anyway. So it, that you know, just just that fact alone, you know, that the government doesn't know what to do with it. Tell us so we can help. Like we all can help. And uh, and Ed, like Edgar says though, disinformation is the same thing as stonewalling. And guys, stonewalling has been done for decades to Americans, to other countries. It doesn't matter. Like that is a political tactic. That is a government tactic. They do that. We know that. That's a fact. So it's the same thing as dis you know, disinformation, stonewalling. It's the same thing. They are just stonewalling Americans. How long are we going to let them do this? You know? And, uh, and so to finish this this part here about Edgar, he says this, and I think it is so cool that he says this is the coolest thing ever, and I totally agree with him, and I, I, I think that more people need to hear this from him, because like I said, Edgar, and, and as most of you should know, he is an icon. He has been to space. He worked for NASA. He is, was an astronaut. Uh, he's a big deal, you know, so he, he says, this is like quote-unquote, 
ETs have visited us and continue to, as well as we actually went to the moon. This should be a part of the way things are. And we need to understand this and put it in context of the story of ourselves, the knowledge base of cosmology, and the nature of our existence. That's just incredible. I mean, first off, he says, ETs have visited us and continue to. For all you people that don't believe the moon landing happened, he says, we actually went to the moon. And this stuff should be a part of the way things are. You know, we, I agree so much. Like, they teach you, they teach us nothing in school. Nothing compared to the information that's out there. And it would be okay to teach the basics if they also showed you the other stuff and where to find the information to at least give you some sort of, you know, uh, guideline on where to begin, how to how to learn this information. That you know, at least just knowing that this information is real. You know, they they didn't even talk about Tesla in school. Like what? That makes no sense. Um, so you know, with Edgar's story, I just want people to understand that he was an astronaut. You know, that he is an iconic man. And the fact that he came out and said this in a testimony should say a lot to you guys. It should say a lot. Um, and again, I tell you, I encourage you, you know, head over to the Sears Disclosure YouTube page. Check it out for yourself and just listen to Edgar's uh, testimony. And he might even have a couple on there. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Um, but so I'm going to get into the next uh, segment here, which is the Rendlesham Forest incident. And uh, this is probably going to take us into the end of the episode. Um, there's so much information about this. This was like an, an hour-long um, witness testimony from Larry Warren on the Sears Disclosure, um, again, on the YouTube channel. And uh, <clears throat> so this happened in December of 1980. And there's a man. Um, he was a security officer. His name is Larry Warren. He uh, was assigned to the now former uh, Royal Air Force Base called Bent Waters. And uh, it's located in Suffolk, England. It's about 80 miles from London and uh, about 10 miles from the Woodbridge Air Force Base, which I believe was a, an American uh, Air Force Base. And, uh, and in between these bases, um, basically 10 miles of woods, pine forest is the Rendlesham Forest um, in between these two Air Force Bases separating them. And uh, so just to you know, give you an idea of what we're looking at, um, and again, this is in England, this isn't in America. And so about, um, I, th I think it was n nine miles from, um, from Woodbridge Air Force Base, uh, for both of them really, is a lighthouse. And, uh, and, and this lighthouse has been there for dozens and dozens and dozens of years. Everyone on these bases are very familiar with this lighthouse. The air traffic controllers, everybody. So this, this lighthouse is a thing. Put this in the picture in your mind. So we've got two Air Force bases. man named Larry Warren, he was working at Woodbridge as a security officer. He, uh, he held a high security clearance there uh, because of the secret nature of the nuclear uh, weapons that they were housing on the base. And uh, he was working the night shift on uh, the night of the 26th of December, so it's right after Christmas. Merry Christmas, Larry Warren. Um, two airmen, he says, John, um, I, I don't remember the first name of Parker, but uh, two airmen, Parker and uh, John Burroughs, they were working the main gate 
um, that night. And, uh, and this is, again, just a few miles from uh, the, the pine forest. And uh, so Warren says that uh, Burroughs noticed a light coming from the forest, and uh, which Burroughs suspected was a downed aircraft. So uh, he, he gets a hold of this Staff, staff Sergeant Peniston. Um, it's funny because his name's Penis Tun. Um, but his name's Peniston. And, uh, and a few other officers and they came out to the gate to check it out and uh, they too they you know they all believed it was a downed aircraft so uh, they they headed out into the woods and uh, Larry wanted to point out that these uh, these people were un unarmed most of them were unarmed because there was uh, some rule in place um, by the British Ministry of Defense about American soldiers not carrying guns on British ground uh, so unless you're on base, so they uh, so they left the woods unarmed. I think the only person that actually had a weapon was uh, Sergeant Peniston, and um, so they they head out into the woods, and uh, they they found not a crashed craft, but a large triangular pyramid craft. Um, it's pyramid shaped, it sounded like, and uh, that it was like six feet or so. Um, at the base uh, of it and it rose about nine feet to a point um, he said it was black and it, and it looked like a type of glass or something or some type of uh, very uh, smooth fabric that was covering the outside uh, but they couldn't tell if it had landed on legs or if it was hovering there um, they, they all said it had multicolored lights many different lights surrounding it in different areas and, uh, and Peniston, um, you know, just by the nature of being a, a staff sergeant and a, a soldier, uh, he drew his, his sidearm. He, he approached the craft uh, and he started touching the side of it. Uh, he touched it and he said it was warm. It was warm to the touch. And uh, he felt the panel, said that it, it didn't actually feel like glass. And that scribed on the panel were uh, three-dimensional symbols, sort of like Braille. Um, he said he couldn't read them and uh, he didn't know what they were, but that they kind of looked like hieroglyphs. And, um, and guys, this is where things get really weird. And, uh, and if you've listened to my episode about remote viewing, then you'll have a, a sort of an idea about how remote viewing sort of works, um, what happens. Um, but uh, and if you know things about the mind and you're interested in how the mind works and um, you understand sort of how, uh, how loops occur, um, when you're tripping balls, how loops occur because of conversation, um, how you can how you can say something and, and put thoughts into people's heads, basically, um, you know, sort of like uh, you know psychics, sort of like hypnotists. Um, so if you have a at least a simple understanding of how much more the mind is capable, um, how much more stuff the mind's capable of doing that you really don't know about just from your everyday life. And uh, so basically, if you understand this, you're gonna be blown away by this next part. So Sergeant Peniston uh, states in his uh, testimony that um, the next moment that took place, he says it was strange, that he could sense a presence in the craft. And uh, the next thing he knew, was that he felt like somebody was 
deeply looking at him, deeply searching within him, in his body and his soul. So he says to himself, who are you? What are you? And, uh, and he's given a response back in his mind, not, not his own voice, not, uh, not anything that, that, that he would have said, but the response back said, we are you. And in an instant, he says tons and tons of information begin flowing through his head, pictures, diagrams, anything, little segments, sort of clips of movie, uh, like, like a movie reel and a little clip of it. Just tons of information begin flowing through his, through his head to the point that he did understand that these beings that were in front of them in this craft, that they were millions of years old. They showed him uh, d but like a, a picture of, a, of the DNA of them and, and of the DNA of the human and showed that the biologically we were related, or that we were all the same. He showed him that they had a biological need to come to Earth um, at that time. And... Um, <clears throat> The men experienced this event. They, you know, they all lost radio communication, and so a bunch of other officers went out to respond to these to their to the radio blackout. When they arrive, they find all of them dazed and confused. With four hours of missing time, that they didn't realize. Something incredible about that, you know, the fact that they had lost time, almost as if they were hallucinating or they were in a, a trip. Um, you know, time dilation, and uh, and I've heard you know of time dilation being possible when people are exposed to uh, different frequencies, um, experiencing time dilation. And again, time dilation isn't a thing. You know, time still ticks on by. It's just your mind uh, that the time itself is dilated, and it feels like it's just been a few seconds, but really, it's been hours. A similar thing happened to me when I was on DMT for the first time. And uh, if you've listened to my Altered Mind States mini-series, you'll probably have heard a little tidbit about it. But I'll tell you again if you haven't, and I'll, or um, if you haven't heard about it, I'll tell you. If you have heard about it, I'm gonna tell you again. Um, I took my first hit, I lay back, and I took off on an informational ride, similar to what Sergeant Penniston went through where tons of pictures and information went through my mind of, of weird people, beings, uh, things that have happened in my life, things that were happening in other people's life, people I didn't know, uh, things from, from the past, from history. I saw all kinds of things, pyramids, the Sphinx, all kinds of weird pictures and things, images flew into my mind. And when I came back, when I, when I, when I woke up from this, it had only been two minutes. But while I was there, I thought I had been there for hours and hours. I thought that I had almost spent an eternity there. But it had only been two minutes. So time dilation is something that can occur. Absolutely. I have had 100% experienced with that. Um, so the fact that they had four hours of missing time and that this was reported, you know, at this time, 1980, you know, that, that all this happened, it's just so intriguing.
but for four hours to be missing. That's really weird. Um, so these men, you know, they were debriefed, and uh, Ber or, uh, Larry Warren explains that, they, that he heard rumors that they were injected uh, with a type of drug during their debriefing. Um, and, you know, I'm saying that maybe, you know, maybe it was to erase their mind or to confuse them, or maybe it was they were panicking, and so they were giving him a sedative. I don't know. But uh, Airman Burroughs tells uh, Warren the next day that he had this feeling that the craft told him that, that they would return. And, uh, and something I wanted to bring up is that Larry Warren explains several times in his testimony that Airman Burroughs, John Burroughs, needed to be interviewed, that he needed to have a testimony, that he saw so much stuff that night, that he has experienced things that no person should ever experience. And, uh, and I also want to bring up the fact that one, one of the men that was there that, that night actually ended up going crazy and committing suicide, similar to... Um, uh, one of the men that uh, died during the Operation Plate incident. Uh, one of the sergeants there, or uh, captains actually, I think he was. He, sergeant Penniston, or um, Larry Warren also talked about, I, I think it was Sergeant Penniston, um, who actually ended up becoming like a, a priest and like someone very holy and dedicated and, and just completely changed after this event. Completely changed. And... Um, so after this uh, debriefing, um, Burroughs tells Warren that he thinks they're gonna sh they're gonna show up, and uh, they're gonna come back. So Larry, you know, Larry's kind of on high alert, and everything's kind of strange. You know, he wasn't there that first night. You know, I again, you know, I don't know if I if you caught that or not, but he wasn't there, um, and so he's kind of on edge. And uh, so the and so the day after the event. Uh, the first this first here event the british ministry of defense they were called and uh, the incident was reported and uh, so they sent they sent people out after they told them what happened and invest investigations began they started examining the ground where the craft had been and uh, they actually had found that this craft had left three large indentations in the ground that were spread out about nine feet apart from each other in a triangular shape and uh, that what it would appeared was was that a couple tons of weight was actually sitting on the ground. Um, they could see by looking up above at the treetop canopy, you know, that the all the leaves were broke or all the branches were broke off. The, whole, the canopy was 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 ruined. You know that clearly there was a hole kind of punched through the treetops. Um, they did radiation tests. Uh, they found that the area was 25 times higher than normal radiation levels and uh, says that nick pope nick pope someone who's been on several interviews someone who's very recently in the news um nick pope who is the um, head i think right now of the uh, intelligence part of the british ministry of defense I'm, I'm not sure what what nick pope does but he's a big name in ufology and he says that nick pope can verify all of this and um so Warren the next day, and this is now two days after, so it's the 28th, he was positioned to a perimeter post and uh, said that the, the entire day was, was pretty uneventful until the tower radioed. 
that they were noticing lights in the forest again. Now Warren gets a call and says that he is to leave his post and that he is going to be picked up in a government truck. Warren says uh, that there's a, a bunch of radio chatter about mo changing posts. Everybody was changing frequencies on the radio and to change at different times. And they were, um, the, and that all the communication reports uh, for this, uh, after this event and all the transcripts that they ended up missing. Um, so that was, that's you know, pretty crazy. Just the fact that all of it would disappear like that. I mean, is this, you know why 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 are they hiding i don't understand why they continuously hide this stuff uh, especially if you know years later somebody's gonna talk about it so um you know warren says overall uh they were so, so they were driving uh down the service road into the woods um, and they came to an armored truck that was uh positioned out there and and yeah warren was talking about how uneasy he felt um and how unsettling the woods uh, felt, just uh, you know, are all around them, and uh, and that everybody was was moving, and and everyone's perceptions just seemed to be off, and uh, that they were so they walked down a, a trail, and uh, they were told to be to be careful of, of hot spots, um, hot spots as in like radiation hot spots, and uh, and Burroughs was was actually excited to see this craft again. Um, they they were told uh, to stay clear of the area, and uh, and Burroughs says that uh, that there are tapes that people should hear, uh, like personal tapes, things like that, and uh, and that that told that record everything from this from this night, everybody's you know conversations, and, uh, and he seemed pretty adamant about people needing to hear these tapes. Uh, so so Warren says they came to a clearing, where a craft sat on the ground um, a similar looking craft i believe he said and uh warren says that there was they had cameras there and that uh, the incident was was being filmed and uh, he says that another object flew overhead that it was red in color and uh, that it was a, a basketball sized light and uh, that it was about 20 feet above the craft that was on the ground um, and uh, in an instant, this basketball-sized light uh, explodes into an extremely bright light. Um, and Warren says that uh, that uh, the personnel, some some of the personnel, were actually uh, given flash burns to their eyes, like as if they had stared at like a welder, you know, so like a welding torch or something with um, an extremely bright light, like you know, and you just stared at the sun something like that and uh, you actually you know gave burns to your redness um and and warren also points out that that uh, he was advised um during his debriefing after this event uh that he was advised to, to actually steal his documents uh because that he would actually soon be discharged and that he should steal any personal files things like that and uh, that that was how you know Larry actually got away with some proof of this event, and uh, so there was people that night that you know were were given these burns, um, but that the weird thing about the this whole light explosion was that it was completely silent. That it was just the light just got extremely bright. 
um, and the uh, so and because of this bright light, the uh, the craft on the ground, and, and so uh, during while listening to this, you know, I immediately started thinking, and I was like, huh, it seems like in a, a diversion, like a flash bomb, you know, like you would like a flash grenade, like you would throw in Call of Duty, um, and so I was like, huh, that's kind of weird, like they're trying to make a distraction, and. Uh, so what the the craft on the ground was was it uh, it didn't look like the the one from the night before it was it was he, he said that it was clearly a large pyramid um and that he could see uh, a rainbow um, light that was coming off of it that that was so hard to see past that he didn't know if it was from uh, from from the burns that he received from the brighter light or or that the craft was actually illuminating you know a bunch of rainbow colors um, but that, that that itself was pretty hard to, to see past and he said that uh, this entire thing just felt so dreamlike and uh, and uh, after talking with people that um, have, were present that night that they all felt the same way that they were all just in a, a big dreamlike state and uh, you know especially you know, I can't imagine after getting hit with the brightness of the of the light of the whatever that was you know that everything around would kind of be weird looking um and so you know at, at that at that moment this is right after that light explosion the uh, british police arrive and uh, some military personnel arrive and uh, warren says that it seemed as if they had already dealt with this before that uh, that they kind of ran out of their trucks that they were that they had protocols down that they were setting up a perimeter and uh, they were getting out you know detectors and that, that it was something that had protocols you know they had already dealt with this similar situation before which uh, Warren just thought was was pretty interesting in itself and uh, you know I do find that pretty interesting too you know what if there's a lot of information that uh, the British MOD and just England in general has withheld from other countries. What if the similar things have happened, you know, there too um, for decades now? Maybe they've had them, themselves several black budget secret projects involving UFOs and mind control and all kinds of things. You know, I, I, I almost can't believe that the U.S. is the only ones, you know, participating in this type of stuff. But uh, so Warren describes seeing. He says that he he saw a, a a small humanoid through these lights, and uh, that that the humanoid actually came out of the UFO, and surrounded in light, and uh, that he was able to count eventually three small humanoids, and he said that as the light carried them dissipated. He could see that these beings were wearing some type of clothing and that they had uh, what looked like much larger eyes than humans. And, uh, and Warren stops to say that, that he wished he had never seen them, but that the faces of these people were like moving white membranes, uh, that, that everything was wavering, um, the, the, the lights, uh, their bodies. Uh, almost as if it was like a mirage as what I was kind of hearing what he, after, you know, what he was saying it sounded like a, a mirage um, and Warren says that at that moment the British commander began calling people out of the forest by rank the lower ranking officers started heading out of the woods and 
Warren said um, that there was still this eerie feeling through the woods and that uh, that he could see these more like more of these light beings and uh, and other craft above the trees almost as if the large craft was being guarded um, and and Warren is pretty sure that there is a protocol for this exact event because of the way the British MOD was was handling it and uh, and John Burroughs he was not allowed onto the site because of what had happened and uh, and guys all this had happened in about 18 minutes and uh, and Warren says that there is 18 minutes of recorded audio and video about this um, <clears throat> Warren said they you know they headed out they started you know they walked to the parking lot area um, and uh, and John Burroughs actually watched one of these light beings descend to the parking area within feet of him enough for him to actually grab a hold of what it was wearing um, and that it, it drug him a few feet uh, long enough and you know just long enough that he actually let go um, and that there was another airman sitting in a truck and that this light being actually flew through the window and out the other side uh, freaking out the airman so much so that he actually started kicking out the window um, Warren said that uh, that there was a blue streak of light that had uh, come down from the sky um, and, and actually come from that area where the uh, where the object was um, and that this this light being almost uh, jumped on this blue streak of light that was coming from the trees that was coming from the object perhaps um, and that the the being jumped on it and it disappeared and and so Warren explains that uh, the past three nights there had been reports of these craft in the skies above the forest and uh, and it's believed that they were actually doing uh, a grid search that they were looking for something and and so what I started you know really piecing together after he said that was like okay you know they literally were doing two things at one time they had brought out enough people to make a large enough distraction uh, with the, with the personnel on the ground so that at the same time they could conduct conduct a, a search for what I'm gonna guess is probably nuclear armaments um, because it seems as though after you know several other um, people have been in interviews different people have talked ETs don't want us to blow each other up they don't like nuclear war uh, I think they I think that they think it, it pollutes you know um, outer space you know they probably have all kinds of issues with it, it creates lots of radiation so who knows um, so they could have been looking for you know nuclear warheads um, they could have been looking for uh, water you know they could have been looking for minerals in the ground something that they require who knows but uh, Warren says that uh, that they're were written reports that state that there were three, three of these aircraft, three large triangular uh, like pyramid aircraft. One was above uh, each base. There was one above Bentwaters, and there was above one above Woodbridge, and that there was one above the forest, and uh, one in the forest. 
And so uh, Warren explains that uh, basically this incident had like really messed up his eyes that night and that they were watering profusely and uh, that he was, he was, he starts, he was sweating really bad. He was becoming very confused and disoriented and that he felt almost as if he was hallucinating. And, um, and so he, he, you know, they're, they're, in this parking lot, this he's witnessed the light, this light being, uh, this being or whatever, flying around on light. Um, he witnessed it, you know, fly through a truck, and uh, you know, he he's just he's in a, he's in a stir at the moment. So they've they've piled back in the truck. The British uh, military and police they're taking care of the incident. Warren doesn't see much of what's happened next, um, and so Warren actually goes to the nearest public phone booth. And he calls his mom to explain to her what he just experienced. And um, he's explaining to her what's going on and he's telling her and he's, but then he realizes that she hasn't said anything. So he's like, you know, mom, you know, hello. And she never responds. So he calls the operator and he asks, you know, to re retrace or to uh, re, you know, redial the call. And uh, he says that he was disconnected by the base. And uh, so he hung up, and the operator hung up, and uh, he he immediately started, you know, having a gut feeling. He was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna lose my job." And, uh, and so the next day, they were debriefed, and uh, and Warren says that they were asked if they had brought anything with them from the forest that night, and one man said that uh, he had an object in his pocket. Warren said he didn't know. Uh, what it was, but that they took it immediately, and uh, and that it was never seen again. And uh, he said that, uh, and this is another interesting tidbit, uh, that the the Bentwaters base after this event had the highest suicide rate of any base in the world. And uh, yeah, so there. Oh, and it was a, it was a captain. Uh, it was a captain uh, that hung himself uh you know took his own life after this event uh, very similar to operation plate guys it's just so weird you know that this type of stuff does this to people or is it the government you know so uh you know for this debriefing they are uh they're they're led into a conference room and warren said that uh, there on a table was was uh, seven different stacks of paperwork and uh, that one stack had held a bunch of statements, were, which were completely false reports of what happened that night and uh, completely false reports of what they encountered. And uh, that they were you know, to read that, that they were to become familiar with that, that that was to be the report that they were going to, to know and familiarize themselves with. That, is, that that was what happened that night. Um, he said that one stack was of paperwork that they had to sign stating that they knew that everything was being covered up. He, um, he was uh, warned then asked uh, the major that was in the room with them, you know, what if they didn't sign it? And the major told them that it was in their best interest to sign it and that the major was actually asked to make sure that they sign it. And... Uh, so, you know, that's a little cryptic, don't you think? A little creepy. I mean, do we need to go that far? But um, it, apparently the paperwork is pretty important to the government. You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, we're missing so much stuff of, of things that are going on today and things that happened yesterday. Tons of paperwork because they're always doing paperwork. I mean, poor trees. 
can't imagine. Hopefully it's all digital now. But uh, so they had uh, four other documents that they needed to sign all about class, all about the a bunch of classified information, things that they couldn't even read, but they were told to sign them. So <clears throat> the major then leads them uh, into, a, into a different room. And he said in there was a few civilians that were dressed in suits that looked very business. Um, that they had a bunch of chairs set up in there and there was a projector screen on the wall. They sat down and the, and the, uh, the civilians in suits began to explain to them, saying that uh, you airmen had witnessed something that has been known of uh, for a long time, a lot longer than any of you have ever been aware of. They said that there have been very advanced civilizations coming to Earth for many, many years. That some have a permanent presence here, that some come and go, but that this isn't anything new. They were told to go about their lives and to forget everything that they saw. That what they witnessed was something that very few people will ever have the chance of witnessing. They explained to them that their mail would be monitored for the rest of their life and that they were not to speak to their fellow airmen ever again that were with them on that night and never were they to discuss what they witnessed. And, uh, and Warren explains that it was almost as if they were being brainwashed because it eventually began that they were just repeating the same things that they had already said over and over and over again. They kept saying that they were to uphold the highest trust that national security is the highest priority. And after repeating all this stuff to them several times, they, uh, they then returned to watch a film. Uh, he said it was non-narrated and uh, that they were told that it was supposed to help them put the whole thing behind them. The, uh, um, Warren says that the film showed uh, camera footage from the 40s of some aircraft guns showing a, a row of metallic discs flying underneath um, underneath a bunch of fighters or combat fighters ahead of them you know a bunch of discs I mean I could picture pretty well I feel like I've even seen it somewhere um, that there was a footage that they showed from Vietnam uh, of some small some soldiers on a, on a hill and uh, one of the camera guys you know pans as a, as a large triangular object that was uh, green actually in color which may have just you know maybe it had some type of reflective panels on it or something but uh, but that it was green and that it lifts above the brush and, and uh, Warren said that he remembered distinct distinctly the birds flying in front of it and underneath it and uh, he he says that he cannot forget that clip that that clip he remembers more of that clip than he does the event in the forest and uh, he said that the, some of the next clips were of Apollo moon missions of these square buildings that looked just like the moon's surface, but they were clearly buildings with no windows, um, but they were very boxy. He said that there were pictures of, of astronauts pointing at the buildings, and uh, he said some of the clips actually had them on the rover and that the rover was you know, there. Um, now, and since since the event, and all the details, all the details following the event, you know, that, that Larry uh, explains are just, they're, they're super important, super important to this information. You know, they're, the, 
the fact that they were debriefed and they were told all this, you know, I mean, Larry can make this stuff up, yeah, sure, but he he seems very forthright with the information. Um, he, he just he, he's he's quick to access it, and uh, you know, it comes out, and he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's lying, but. Uh, to make things uh, more interesting with the story. You know, Larry, since the event, um, he, since the event and, and that de debriefing, Larry has actually attempted to um, sort of e expose all of this uh, and this event for years. Uh, Larry's actually wrote a book and published it. It's called Left at East Gate. He's had uh, interviews with several UFO groups, uh, including, you know, the C-SETI group, the Sears Disclosure Group, which was where I found his testimony. He uh, explained that he had a strange incident about uh, his passport, and he had problems with his citizenship being revoked. And it was all in an effort to scare him from, from talking. Um, and, and since the event, Larry has done nothing but have the best have the people's best interests at heart and, and like i've said to you guys um, i think in the last last episode you know does the government actually have our best interests at heart no they absolutely don't you know and, and to find people like larry that just want to do nothing but bring out the truth you know that he's an important man he, he really is and uh, un unlike our world governments they, they claim to make national security top priority, but it's all at the expense of honesty. And I just, you know, how long are we going to, as a country, let this kind of, you know, how long are we going to put up with this treatment? It's, it, it's, it's getting overkill. And it's clear to me, now more than ever, that our governments have done a damn good job of keeping this quiet and making sure this subject never leaves the realm of science fiction. It, to me, I think I've said it before, it's, it's almost as if their grand plan has worked. So, you know, guys, like, when, when will we wake up to the reality that we aren't alone in this universe? Now, when are we going to make steps towards unifying the, the clear interest we all have in this subject? I mean, the fact, the, the fact of the matter is, is that out of all of the episodes I've posted here on Deeper Meaning Time, the ones with the most listens are the ones that have to do with aliens and UFOs. So, answer me that, you know, why is that? Clearly, there is an interest. So, you know, I definitely think we need to make steps towards unifying that interest. Um, we all seem interested in the subject. And uh, even for those that, that are afraid of the subject, you know, the people that are, uh, that become uncomfortable, that, uh, you know, are, aren't, aren't sure really that, uh, that, that that could be true, you know, maybe the, that they're comfortable with the truth, the, the truth, maybe they're comfortable with the truth. That, uh, that we haven't been alone, you know, for a long time. Whoever you are, it, it doesn't matter. There is an interest. Um, and, and we need disclosure. And hopefully, groups like CSETI and uh, in places like Deeper Meaning Time and other podcasts 
uh, you know, hopefully will bring the truth um, to light, will help bring the subject matter um, to the forefront so that everybody uh, learns what the truth is. Uh, we get all of the information out and, and we can make a better future out of it. I mean, we absolutely can. There's so much to be done uh, that could be accomplished if they were just honest, if they were just transparent with us. The future, guys, that we could have as a society, it, it could be nothing that we ever would imagine. If we just helped each other see what's going on beneath the surface. And with there being, you know, millions upon millions of humans on this earth, and we interact with daily, you know, maybe a hundred or less, maybe some of us more, some of us maybe just a couple, we're missing 95% of the population's opinions, the population's stories. There could be thousands and thousands of people out there with UFO sightings, with stories, with uh, experiences. These things need to be shared and we need, we need to make something of this stuff, make something of this information. And, and to say that someone is making something up, so, you know, like Bob Lazar's story, to say that it's all made up, it's a severe case of closed-mindedness. Because there are so many people and so many things we don't know. There are so many things that are missing from our history to our ancestors and things that are going to be missing in our future. If we don't get the truth, if we don't find the truth, if we don't talk about the truth, if we don't even just explore the possibilities, and like I always say, the endless curiosities we all have, if we don't do that, then we will go nowhere. That's a guarantee. And guys, it starts with you. It starts with you guys that are listening to this. Um, help me grow this show. You know, um, Shoot me an email at deepermeaningtime at gmail.com. Go to deepermeaningtime.com. And you can like, share, you can uh, comment on uh, each uh, individual episode um, in the post on the Your Future page. Guys, the future is ours. And with people's stories like Larry's, with incidences that occur like the Bent Waters or the Rendlesham Forest incident, incidences like the uh, the Washington D.C. Uh, the 52 UFO, the in 1952, I believe the UFO incident where they saw um, countless numbers of them. You know, thousands of people like the Phoenix Lights when thousands of people witnessed a flying craft, a massive flying craft in the sky, triangular in shape. You know, when all these people see this, when, 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 so and that, that, that's what I'm saying is all we need is thousands of people backing something. And with something like Deeper Meaning Time, I think we can really look forward to a better future. Um, all you got to do is help me grow this show. But, uh, and that, that is with your continued support. And I just want to thank everybody for listening in. Um, you know, I, it means a lot. 
it definitely means a lot. So stay tuned, you guys. I will be having on my first co-host here within my next uh, couple episodes or so. I'm not sure yet. Um, we'll get a date scheduled and we'll get it set up. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, I hopefully will bring you guys another episode this week. I'm going to try to make it up to you. There are a lot of black budget projects that we need to discuss uh, that America's been involved in and especially some that have to do with remote viewing, things that aren't so alien in nature, but still kind of weird, you know? Like, why aren't we told the information that's within these these projects, these, these documents that are still full of redacted information? Like, you know, why don't anybody, why doesn't anybody tell us? Why is it that big of a deal? Because it has something to do with our history something to do with our ancestors and because it has something to do with our future there are higher ups in the one percent that are clearly trying to sabotage or disrupt society um, to slow the pace of growth i'm not sure but a change is coming i can feel it i can feel it in the air i can feel it amongst everybody around we are all growing and we are all um, becoming a new type of, of human being, one that is full of curiosity and uh, one that wants to explore the endless possibilities and curiosities we have every day. People that want to discover all the deeper meanings time has to offer. And that is what is so important. So keep it up guys and keep thinking. My name's Evan. Thanks for listening.